in the 21st century Hard-working people working hard for you and me Moving higher time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving higher Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Tractor Zoom Delivering Insights. If you're looking for a great place to track what's going on in the auction marketplace, as well as uh, see trend lines start to develop and see past history to see those trend lines uh, kind of scroll across your screen, the best place to do that is Tractor Zoom's Iron Comps. So Sean is with Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida. And Sean is gracious enough to come on once a week to t- sit down and talk about what's going on in the market. So, Sean, how you been, man? I've been really good. Been really busy. Been uh, yeah. okay. a lot of a uh, lot going on the first of the year, and uh, you know everyone wants to know what's going on with ag markets because we're alive again. And, and so uh, we we haven't had this much interest in agriculture. And we were talking yesterday. I think you know at least ten years been the last time yeah. we had anything where people were actually wondering what's going on. So. For what you know, we're doing. You know, this is um, more exciting time to be talking about ag prices and weather patterns, and you know, inflation fears and disruptions, and just lots going on. So, yeah, ton of stuff going on. I've been incredibly busy at work, getting stuff strung together, and and uh, just working with folks on trying to get the, you know, really just kind of knock the dust off of what they've got. You know, they they've kind of duct tape and bailing wired it uh, <laughs> for the last five to seven years and now they're now they're ready to do something so it's uh it's uh definitely been a uh a, a very busy time yeah and to say the least uh ag, ag is uh awake is is probably an understatement because it's you know you look at what's going on um right now soybeans have kind of had that they kind of i don't know how much they're off now like 60 cents 60 80 cents something like that from oh they i think at the intraday low yesterday they, they actually had lost a dollar from the high from a high. few days ago so they had a a quick dollar dump but i mean that's going to happen right when you start getting beans in the 14s and right. you know it there's going to be setbacks along the way it's not right. going to continue to go if it goes keeps going straight up it'll be a hundred dollars by yeah. uh <laughs> right. by the spring we'll plant 150 million acres so right. yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the other thing too. So talk about that a little bit. This this volatility that that we're seeing in on on both kind of across the board. You know, we've got these huge runoffs and it kind of fall it off, then it comes back up and falls back off. Um, that volatility is there, and and talk about that a little bit, and and kind of what from your perspective, how much of that do you see happening here moving forward? Well, the higher prices go, um, that means that you have a much greater speculative component in our markets and because we have trillions and trillions and trillions of this liquidity it can slosh very quickly in each in either direction you know on a very quick sentiment shift so so all of a sudden we get some rains over the weekend and the speculators dump you know dump soybeans and it's down a dollar you know i mean but but that's part of you know what makes the market uh bullish is that you have money that's interested in being in and being out the trend's up, but as you get higher, though, there is going to be some more susceptibility to either taking long positions off, and someone's going to say, well, maybe there's an opportunity to short. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, maybe there's a, an opportunity to make some money on the short side. Uh, and, you know, there's, so, so that short seller comes out 
when he starts to see prices like soybeans getting up to where they were a decade ago, you know, they're going to take a stab at that because, you know, maybe there's an opportunity here short term to make some money on the downside. So yeah. that's part of the, the speculative component. And also, you know, when you're dealing with 130 million bushels carry out in the U.S., which is, you know, give or take the, the, the error that, that's in that number. And we really we kind of don't have any, really. So small little adjustments when you're at that tight of a carryout can make a, a big deal on, on what the price of soybeans should be. If it's 120 or 140, it's the difference between maybe 14 and a half beans and, and $13 beans. And that's, you know, the market can, can change that view very, very quickly based upon any piece of information they, they get. So people have to recognize that, um, uh, you know, the, the, the period of cheap soybeans, for example, where you could just kind of put a position on and just, you know, wait for the big upside to come, you know, that, that's behind us now. You know, soybeans are no longer cheap. You now have to be opportunistic if you're a buyer, you know, if you're a cash buyer of soybeans to look for these periods of big breaks to, to, to kind of come in and do what you need to do, you know. Mm-hmm. Same thing as a, as a producer, you get these big swings. Yep. You know, you do need to sell soybeans at some point. You just can't store it forever. You know, right. you got to sell it at some point. Right. So. Yep. Yep. Okay. So, one of the other aspects of this kind of market that we're headed to, and in, in some as we look into the future, as we see what's going on, uh, there's a lot of talk about inflation, and if inflation is something that's going to, to be a, a prevalent. Uh, um, part of, of the market moving forward, which I, I think it's going to be, you're, that's going to drive the price of um, commodities, any commodity, you know, whether it's oil or corn or soybeans or gold or whatever it is. I mean, it's going to, it's going to drive that up. So talk about inflation, inflation a little bit and how you see that affect in the market long term. Well, <clears throat> there's the price that, that, that supply and demand says the market should be at. Mm-hmm. So let's, for argument's sake, say that that at 1.5 billion bushel carry out corn in the U.S., that we should be five, five and a half. And I think that's actually the fair price for corn with that kind of carry out at, th- at this moment in time. Okay. Uh, we've talked about this for all that. That's probably where we're ultimately mm-hmm. going to, going to head. And so, so, so I think right now there's very little inflation in our ag markets. I think we have supply demand that got out of whack. Weather's coming to the play. Demand came in real demand, not, not just speculative demand, but, if we really do get escalation of inflation, then what, what, what happens is if corn should be five and a half in an inflation environment, it's six and a half or seven. So it adds what we call the inflation premium. So you take what the market should be at, and then you add the inflation premium on top of that. And that's what, um, if we really, really get into kind of a 10, 11, 12 inflationary scenario or a six, 2006, 2007, 2008 inflationary scenario, then we could go from $5 corn to $6.5 corn with no change in the fundamentals, just a perception of increased inflation and the increased buying and the increased uh, uh, premium that, that gets put into markets when you have inflationary fears. So I don't believe we've put that on these markets yet, which is good. I mean, if you're a, an ag producer, I think we've just put on supply-demand factor that the market completely misread at the, in August that we talked about. And, uh, and now, now if, if we get the inflationary component, so what we think is going to happen, Casey, over the next 12 to 18 months, supply demand is going to warrant a much higher price and inflation is going to be, inflation premium is going to be put onto that. Mm-hmm. So from where we are today, if you dial what that could mean, you know, it's pretty, 
pretty wild, exciting potential for prices on the upside here. If we even half right about our weather forecast and we get these real inflation fears later on in the year into 2022, you know, the, the, the numbers are pretty wild. What, could, what corn or soybeans could be at, uh, you know, when we get into the spring of 22, it's, uh, it's, it, we got some pretty wild possibilities because of this uh, perfect storm coming together. And if China continues to need real demand like they have been, which we think they're going to continue to need, I don't know. You know, it's going to be a wild situation. So we, we, um, we really, really want to stress to producers that, um, you know, you, you really want to be careful not to oversell. And we've been saying this, Casey, on your program for six months. You know, whole cash and grain in the bin. Don't oversell. I, yes, you have to sell some, but really be keeping your top side open here. Even though we've had a big run, even though these are prices we haven't seen in a while, even though it's tempting to want to sell it all and say, I can't go wrong now. And I'm not, I, I get all of that. But if you've just experienced 10 years of terrible operating conditions where most farmers have been losing money for years, uh, you got to make it <laughs> during this time. You got to make it big during this time yeah. to, get, to get yourself back. And I, I wouldn't sure change yourselves. I'll be, I'll be, be mindful that we're in a different sp- situation and, you know, just keep some of your top side open. Don't give it all away. So many farmers, Casey, got caught selling so much corn and soybeans, you know, corn in the upper threes and soybeans in the nines. And, you know, they just left so much money on the table because, you know, they just were reactive and, and, and weren't mindful of what was really going on here. And I don't want them to continue to make that mistake, I guess. Mm-hmm. So No, totally understand that. All right, so let's take a, one more thing. A big driver that's on tons of people's mind right now is is the drought situation, not only in, in the U.S., but around the world. I'm looking at the U.S. drought map right now, and uh, this is one was released on January 14th, so just here at the beginning of the week. They had, if you stop and look at, obviously the West is almost moved into some, they're going to make a new color for, for the West. Here, for <laughs> but they've got, if you take a look at, um, you know, Kansas, Missouri, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, um, there's a there's a, a belt that kind of runs through there, a little streak that runs through there that basically um, the, the northern third of Missouri the central third of Illinois, the northern third of Indiana, and pretty much, uh, you know, Ohio and Michigan, uh, that little corner where they come together at, is uh, that drought is starting to really start to see some some big, big concerns there. You know, you're, we're looking at anywhere from moderate to abnormal, and every every time they put a new map out, that streak gets a little bit wider and it starts to change a different color. So, um a lot of things could happen between now and then, but as we've talked about here on this podcast since January of last year, um, this, we're moving into a drought cycle, and it's really starting to shape up that way. You take a look what's going on in the um, Black Sea regions uh, of the world. Um, you know, I, the world drought map is more concerning than the U.S. drought map is because there is a large portion of the world that is in some level of drought. Um, Europe, the you know east, you know central um, Eastern Europe, Eastern Asia, um, you know South America. Obviously, there's just tons of things that to be alert about. So I guess talk about some driving factors you see as far as how drought is going to start playing into um, the minds of people. Not that it hasn't already, but 
you got to start thinking then about, um, you know, February is not that far away. Um, March time frame is where the planters usually get drug out and in the southern part of the U.S. and start moving north. So start talking about planting into a a low um, moisture profile in the, in the soil and, and how that's going to start re reacting in the marketplace. I forget exactly what uh, Ellen Taylor used to talk about this. That if you uh, and I forget exactly the number, but I'll, I'll I think I think I got the numbers about right. But he went that if you start the season with good subsoil moisture, abundant subsoil moisture, your chances of having a below trend line yield crop I think was something like maybe twenty percent or fifteen percent, something like that. If you start the season with very low uh, subsoil moisture, your chances of having a below trend line yield crop is something like seventy percent. Now it doesn't tell you how much below. But if you start with the tank full, you know, we've been starting with the tank full for 10 years, right, right. Casey? Yeah, we exactly. always start with the tank. Last year, we started with the tank full, and we still came away with a, with a crop that was okay but not great, okay? Right. But if you start with the tank empty, you almost, almost can't have a top-end crop. I mean, we, we want to put that out there right here, that if we get into that planting season and we don't have subsoil moisture, you already pretty much have started – with the idea that we're going to have a below trend line of crop, then it just becomes how far below trend. So that's such an important variable that I believe we're going to be dealing with, that we're going to be going in with just nothing there. So any hot or dry period, even if it's just a week or two, if you don't have subsoil moisture, you immediately, they call them flash drought. It's a flash drought because you have nothing in, in the tank to get through that mm -hmm. um, and, and, and keep the, the crop going. Whereas if you have abundant subsoil moisture, you can go through a long, quite a while before you start drawing that subsoil moisture down and start getting into trouble. So that is the quintessential defining difference that this growing cycle is going to have versus anything we've seen since 2010, 11, 12, which is the last time we had low subsoil moisture years. And that means we are expecting below trend line yields. And if we're right about it being hot and dry for a good portion of the summer, well below trend line. Not like last year. Last year was like, you know, moderately below trend. It was supposed to, was trend line 176, 170, we had 172, a little below. We're talking about way below trend. You know, maybe, maybe something like 15 bushels to the acre, 20 bushels to the acre below trend. That'd be the kind of thing for corn we'd be looking at, something like that. So you have to kind of, Look at that. And by the way, that's the situation you're going to be looking at in other parts of the, you know, in, in the <clears throat> Western Europe and, and Russia is looking at the same kind of subsoil moisture. So that is, um, it's not going to go away. According to our forecast, actually, that drop map you referred to, when we start, when we look, if you look at that, when we talk here in May and you look at that drop map, it's going to continue to move like a like a, a a swarm of bees. It's going to continue to move further, further east, further south, and you're going to see probably close to seventy percent of the ag ground in some form of moderate to extreme drought by May. That's that would be what our forecast is, and the market is not going to to wait very long if it sees that. I mean, it's going to start, especially with with us drawing down our excess supplies. We're already gone. I mean, those excess supplies are gone, Casey. They're gone. So there's just no tolerance for anything, but we have to have perfection this year. So although we might see some, some you know, volatility and maybe some, some corrective period here as South America's harvest starts to happen and, you know, harvest pressure and maybe some rain, better weather's coming a little bit, 
But the big moves in markets, we believe, are still in front of us, especially as we get into the wintertime and what might be happening in the spring of 22. And we, we don't even think we're even close to pricing in this entire reality yet. Um, but we're, we're on our way. We're on our way. So, so feed, feed you know, livestock producers, ethanol producers, people have to buy feed, you know, cash feed and cash corn. You know, you better buy the dip. Buy the dip. You know, you 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 get a you get a you get a break in the corn market of any sort. You, you need to be quickly, you know, getting some long-term cash, uh, you know, cash uh, needs met. I mean, even if you look out to like, the beauty of it is December twenty-one and December twenty-two are trading at huge discounts, so you can get a really attractive price for those deferred contracts for buying cash. You know, cash feed. You better take advantage of that, especially on any breaks. You do not want to let this situation get out of hand and all of a sudden you know you're paying some you're paying some prices you simply cannot pay and then you have to do what you really don't want to do as a livestock producer which is liquidate your herd or as an ethanol producer which is shut down your plant that's what you don't want to do if you do the right thing you shouldn't have to right now so yep all right so let's talk about um cattle real quick um cattle marketplace has um had a few corrections earlier in the last couple of weeks where they've you know you saw some some backward contraction, but over the last three, four days, you've seen some some pretty good um, traction kind of take hold. Nothing, no big, huge swings by any means, but you're starting to see some some creep up. So talk about what's going on in the livestock markets places. I, I think the cattle market, you know, I, I, we're not wildly bullish cattle. Um, we're worried that as feed prices escalate that we're going to get into a herd liquidation cycle later this year, and that's going to bring extra animals onto the market and that's going to keep the price suppressed for now. But, for, but but we're not there yet, right? We're not there yet. I mean, last you know, we're not at that point yet. So we think we can have what we call a kind of a typical seasonal rally into the into the early spring where, you know, buyers demand for uh, grilling season and all comes into play. We are looking at some lower cattle on feed numbers. You know, that's going to mean some you know, uh, lesser uh, less animals uh, that'll be available to the market. So we think the market can work higher. Like I said, we're not raising bulls, but we think we can have a, a an orderly, smart rally into the spring. And then after that, we're going to be really worried because we see feed prices really escalating. Drought, you know what drought means in in, in the in the in the, where the cattle grazes in the south. You know that that means a lot of problems for if you're Texas or you know you're not going to be able to have a lot of grazing ground to to feed them. And and then of course if we get into a blisteringly nasty ugly cold winter you know it causes even more problems so we just we think it's a first half constructive store but we would be looking for an opportunity for for selling if, if, if we're a cattle producer to cast sell you know in early spring late late winter somewhere in there we're looking for an opportunity to sell ahead of a liquidation cycle in the back half of the year yep. so so one one thing i was meant to talk about earlier if you look at that drought map and you look at at China, Southeast Asia, in that area, it is abundantly wet. I mean, there's lots and lots of moisture falling over there um, to the extent where very, very kind of mimicking the, the 2019 U.S. weather patterns where we had this wet winter that kind of lasted and then, you know, you had this summer, you know, early or late freezes and those kind of things. Looking at something similar like that to happen, they're already coming to the table buying quite a bit of stuff. If things continue the same, the same pattern that you see there 
how are exports going to play into the livestock market, especially when you're talking about China? Um, you know, you know, we put out this uh, our weather outlook report. I think I, I sent it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we talk about China, China specifically, right? And we absolutely believe that China is heading into a kind of what we did. You know, we're, they're going to have a very, very wet spring, very delayed planting, very cold, late, late spring frost uh, for China, all kinds of problems for their planting season. And then they're going to turn hot and dry. Uh, and, and so they're going to get into actually get into a drought cycle. But, but, but they're going to have abundant subsoil moisture. Remember we talked about that? Right. So what does that mean? That means that the majority of the problem for their crop this coming season isn't going to really be because of the drought because they got plenty of moisture. It's going to be because of the poor planting season. They're going to get it planted so late. They're going to have to replant. They're not going to replant everything. Acres are going to be down. And, and, they're, and, and they're still not going to have a top-end crop. So we don't see them getting the big abundant crop to – Get themselves out of their of their shortage. We see them having, you know, tr- crops below trend, uh, disappointing crops again, um, and uh, we actually think that you know the spring conditions for China could actually be a market moving event. Uh, they get a whole bunch of corn in the ground and soybeans in the ground, and they get a late season frost in the in their you know during spring, and they have to replant everything. It's, farmers there, you know, they don't, they don't have the kind of um, support network that they have that we have here and you know you have a bunch of little you know five acre farmers there you know what i'm saying that uh, they just won't they won't replant mm-hmm. you know they got one shot at it and if it doesn't happen they're not going to replant so they're going to have big problems not uh you know hot dry problems uh like we're going to have they're going to have more of a really really nasty planting season and some dry hot weather to kind of add a little extra kicker so what we think that means, well, first, the hog herd is going to continue to grow. They're going to need more feed next year than they need this year. Their crops aren't going to be very good. And South America is going to have less exportable supplies than they did the year before. What does that mean? They're going to need a lot more from the United States. And we're not going to have it. So that means not, there's not going to be enough supply for everybody. So someone's going to have to not get it. And that's what you call a demand rationing scenario where the prices have to go where you ration certain demand. You got to close those ethanol guys down. You got to get the herd to liquidate so that they don't feed those animals anymore. I mean, that's what's going to happen. The Chinese are going to get, get it. They'll, they'll pay whatever it takes to get the supply and they're going to drown out the rest of the buyers. That's how we see it, Casey. So that's why what we're trying to tell everyone today on the cash side is China already took all the cheap supplies before anyone even knew it, right? And now everyone's trying to buy more expensive supplies. They're going to do it again and make sure you don't get caught missing getting the supplies before they come in and realize, remember, when do they start buying all this grain? August. Why? Because that's when they realized they were totally screwed on their crop. They looked, at the, they looked at the crop and go, oh, my gosh, we are totally screwed. And bam, they just went bought, 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 and never stopped. Well, I think they're going to they're gonna do the same thing. They're going to look at that poor planting season, look at all the problems they're having, and I think they're going to realize that that means they're definitely not going to have a good crop no matter what happens because of that. I think they could come back and start upping the ante as early as June, especially if the U.S. is showing – Drought signs, problems with the crop, terrible crop conditions, all those things. I mean, I, I think they're going to be 
aggressive. You look at those deferred December 21 corn prices. I think they're going to just eat that up alive yep. as soon as they get that first inkling that their crop's not going to be there. So this could, this could happen very rapidly. Uh, I don't think it, we wait till August on this one for them. I think they could come in in June and say, U.S., what do you want to sell us? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Nice thing about the Chinese, though, they have – it's pretty easy to tell what they're doing because uh, they'll come out and say, I'm sure in in June that they've got just record record amount of emergence and crops are amazing. <laughs> At the meantime, they're just got ship after ship after ship after ship leaving the U.S. and South America full of corn. Everything's so great. Oh, it's gonna drop you know, the game canes, baby. And, and, they, and they bought half the corn crop. Why yeah. did you? Yeah, just just yeah, you know, it just felt like the right thing to do. Yeah, we had, we had to you know <laughs> refill our strategic uh, our strategic supplies. You know, <laughs> well, don't, we always the, the old adage is don't don't do what the China, don't follow what the China says. Follow what they do. Yeah, what they do is the true vote. What they say is nothing but pure public uh, dramatic. Uh, Propaganda, yep. and that's that's all it is. That's exactly what <laughs> the, it is. The virus is fine. We have no problem with the virus. Yeah. Every, Things are good. No problem. Yet, good. yet they're shut down in, in northern China. Now we're good. We're yeah. good. Yeah, it's just a precaution. You know, just, <laughs> just a precaution. We just, you know, we're fine. Totally fine. <laughs> all right, good stuff, Sean. People want to reach out to you, get some more information about Hack Financial and what it is that you guys do there, and how you can help. Uh, someone's uh, operation or just their investment needs. What's the uh, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, our website is Hackett H A C K E T T uh, Advisors If anybody wanted to see that report that uh, we put out, our, our outlook report, we went over the weather in all in China, South America, the U.S., and went over pretty detailed look at um, at that and what it might mean. Um, you know, shoot us an email at Sean S H A W N at hackingadvisors.com. We're glad to send it to them. We also did a, a Real Vision interview, an hour-long interview last week uh, that we went over this in more of a Q&A form with them. And, um, you know, we, could, we, we have a link that we can send them to uh, if, if they want to see that. I sent it to you as well. Casey. Yeah, I just so, saw it pop up as yeah. we started, started talking. Yeah, but. so, you know, I mean, if you're into watching an hour of interview, which is, you know, it, but it's kind of a Q&A and goes over all this and more of a back-and-forth action, it's, um, it's a really important time to get clear about what we're at so you can make the right decisions about how you handle your cash buying, how you handle your cash selling, and you get your hand around how you want to manage this because you don't want to miss, you don't want to screw this up. This is very important to get this right now. We're in the heat of the matter. We're in the thick of things. When we do, when we do your, your, uh, your, um, uh, Moon Iron Summit. uh the, the summit here in, in September, you know, it, this is a really, really important year to get your hands around this weather situation right and, and make the right decisions. It could be exceedingly prosperous if you do it right. It could be exceedingly disappointing if you don't. So we will do anything we can to help. This is, you know, we're, that's what we're here to do. And it's, it's, it's just too important to mess up right now. Yep. So, yeah, a million things kind of headed our way and there's a, all of them are, are big, big swings one way or the other so it's a yeah uh, it's a very pivotal time here um we start looking at uh, what's going on but the positive thing is i guess the the, the, the overreaching thing casey this is we're entering a, a much more a, a positive phase for agriculture yeah. as a whole whether it's equipment whether it's fertilizer whether it's seed whether it's the farmer himself everyone you know the 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 the, the ag food chain is finally going to get some capital back in it and uh uh so, so this is this is a, an exciting time and, and a time where you know the value of agriculture is coming back 
um, and and the value of food is coming back, and people realize that you, you know that you can't eat your iPhone for breakfast; it won't feed you. You know that, that won't that won't print shocking. corn. Yeah, yeah, it's shocking. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, Sean. Good stuff as usual, man. Um, Sean and I did a did a uh, report with uh, Dr. Valentina Zarkova, and look for that to come out here um, first part or towards the end of this week. Um, first part of next week. I'll have it all kind of chopped up and put into different pieces. Some of you are going to have. Um, it really correlates well with what Sean's talking about when it comes to the weather. She really lays out. She's one of the, the top um, scientists that are studying, uh, you know, how uh, grand solar minimums and, and lack of solar activity plays effect on, on the, uh, the Earth's weather. So we're going to start seeing some transitionary things here. So it's going to be a, a – it's a – I learned a lot, right, and – that's saying something if I learned something from somebody. So just uh, keep that in mind. So she was amazing. Yeah. She was absolutely. Uh, I mean, I, I learned. I mean, I, I know a lot about this stuff, and I learned a ton of stuff that I never knew because she just she had, knows it at a level. You know, obviously because she's a which she's a scientist. She, she right. understands at a level that I was just I was blown away. I hope your listeners uh, listen in on it. It was, it was really really uh, fantastic. I'm, I was really excited about it. So yeah, it was, it's really good stuff. So. Well, with that, Sean, um, like Sean talked about, uh, the Moving Iron Summit's coming up here in September 15th through the 17th. It was supposed to be here in January, but some COVID restrictions stuff that we saw come down. Um, just couldn't couldn't make it happen in January. So, Sean, actually, it's going to be a great time for Sean to be talking about what's going on, as he talked about earlier. Um, so, if you're interested in coming to that, check out movingironllc.com. You can go there, revamp the website, and uh, a lot of... A lot of easy ways to, to see what's going on there, but check out the hotel registration as well as the agenda, and you can get all the information about what's there. If you want to learn more about Sean, go to the Moving Iron Podcast website there and go to podcasts and go to uh, the market report segment, and you can see there you see a nice picture of Sean and his little, his background and what and what he's been what he's been doing with his life there, so you can get more information about what's going on there. So. Check out Moving Iron Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find the latest uh, information as these uh, podcasts come out. Also, uh, check out uh, the Global Ag Network and the great podcasters out there as well. So with that, I am Casey Seymour, Sean Haggett. Let's go with some iron, folks. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century.